This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum, this is Yasmin Mujahid and you're listening to Serenity streaming live on One Legacy Radio. Uh, today I actually wanted to share some uh, personal reflections uh, that I had experienced recently, um, but on a larger scale. Uh, the topic for today has to do with um, the people that we encounter uh, throughout our lives and the effect that these people have on our life. So basically, uh, as we walk through life, there's a lot of people who come into our path that, that we cross paths with, people who come into our life, and people who leave our life. And I, I really believe that uh, every person that we meet, there's some purpose why uh, they did come into our life. And I also believe that uh, there's some purpose why certain people leave our lives and, and that all these things happen for a reason. And, and it's very important that we... Uh, look into these things and, and, and learn what are those, you know, what are, what is it that we're supposed to be learning from these encounters and from these experiences? Because subhanAllah, you know, um, one of the beautiful hadith, uh, that I really, really love myself and I really, uh, relate to, uh, at a deep level is the one where the Prophet ﷺ says that, uh, people, that the souls are, um, like armies, um, and that, and that the people who recognize each other uh, from previous, so there's like, there's like a different realm where the souls existed and some people, some of the souls knew each other and interacted with each other and recognized each other. Uh, and so those people who knew each other from that realm or recognized each other from that realm will have an affinity to each other in this world and they'll, they'll, they'll basically, they'll get along in this world. And those people who don't recognize each other from that other realm uh, will not um, will will kind of be uh, repelled from each other in this life. And so this this, this subhanallah this hadith uh, it it explains this sort of phenomenon that you sort of sometimes feel with some people where you you don't um, you may have just met the person or maybe you never even met the person you 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 know you read something that they wrote or you feel like a connection with people uh, certain people. And uh, you may not have known them for very long, uh, but you just feel like an immediate connection. And a lot of times people will say things like, oh, I feel like I've known you my whole life. And it really is like that. You know, there is just like this natural connection that you have with some people. And subhanAllah, there is uh, some, you know, there's some reason for that. And and so what I wanted to do actually was share a couple of experiences that I had uh, and some people that I met. And, and I don't know, you know, some of these people, if I'll, you know, how much... Uh, interaction I'll have with them again in the future, but just how much uh, I learned from from just meeting these people shortly, and 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 I know that all of us have experiences similar to this. But uh, last weekend I was actually in New York and um, and New Jersey, and I spent a lot of time uh, in going to different parts of New Jersey. Uh, after I spoke, I spoke at NYU on Friday, and then and then New Jersey. I spent um, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, in New Jersey. And one of the places where I spoke, uh, it was a masjid in New Jersey. And after the talk, uh, there were two sisters that came up to me. And one of the sisters, uh, what she shared with me, <laughs> subhanAllah, it moved me so much, so deeply, like it was, um, every time I talk about it or even, 
you know, just think about what it is that this woman is going through, it, it still shakes me. Uh, but basically this woman, she, she told me that, uh, she, you know, she had been listening to some of my lectures and she was, you know, she was, she was expressing appreciation for them and, and that she had benefited from them. She had, I guess, read some things, but she shared with me, um, her own, her own situation. And it was that, uh, she has four children. And, um, when, when one of the children was, uh, young, I think she was probably around three and a half. She said that the child was talking and, and was completely normal. And then one day, she stopped talking and uh, like, I think I'm, I'm not sure which one it was, but one of them, the school calls and, and was kind of concerned that this child had just stopped talking and, um, they didn't know why. So they, uh, they kind of, they weren't sure, but basically she didn't start talking. She, she, she kept, you know, quiet. And so they didn't know what was wrong with her. They took her to the doctor and what they found out was that, uh, she had a rare genetic disease and, now, just get this. This is what the doctor is telling this woman. The doctor tells this woman uh, that your child uh, has this disease whereby, you know, she's maybe completely normal right now. She can talk and she can hear and she can see and everything like that. Uh, but in the, she will slowly lose her ability to talk. She will lose her ability to hear. She will lose her ability to see. And she will not live past the age of 13. And she will suffer and then she will die. And and this is what um, the doctor had told her about her child. And then she found out that she actually had four kids at the time. And she found out that her other child, well, she was tested and found out that her other child also had the same disease. And then found out that her third child also had the same disease. And um, she just had uh, her fourth child at this time was um, about six months old, perfectly normal baby. And so she didn't think, um, you know, there's anything wrong with that baby. But but then she got that baby tested and found out that that baby also has the same disease. So this was something this woman was told about all of her children, all four of her children. And now uh, her children are older. And she said that her oldest child, the one who who was told that she wouldn't live past the age of 13, has just turned. And subhanAllah, I, I think it might have been the day I met her or right before, has just turned 15. So it was like she was telling me this story and she was basically she was telling me how uh, grateful they were that that this girl had lived. They had told her that she wasn't going to live past 13 and she had just turned 15. Now, like my mind, it's hard for my mind to, to you know, to, for me to wrap my mind around this type of test, this type of trial that this woman is um, encountering. But there were so many gems like so many lessons that I I could just sit and learn from her just from hearing her story uh, but one of them is I felt that this woman was a walking talking proof of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the reason is that this is a trial that uh, we, we I, I personally could never imagine being put through and yet this woman was she was still smiling she was still living she was still um, just like everyone else. I mean, you, you, you'd find her and you wouldn't think that she was this superhero going through this super massive trial. Uh, but rather she was like, I mean, subhanAllah, like it was such a, it's such a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when Allah gives you sabr, when Allah gives you patience, when Allah gives you rida, gives you contentment, that no matter what hits you, you have the ability to withstand it. In a way that other people don't have 
even if they're given something like so much smaller. So somebody can be given a trial, which is, which is extreme, you know, like I, I use this example, someone could be stuck in, in traffic, they're in a traffic jam, and they're freaking out. Like it's, you know, it's really like um, a very stressful, I mean, I have to say it is pretty stressful. But you know, when you're when you're stuck, and you're, or somebody, um, somebody cuts you off, right? And it's like something like that is, is it just aggravates you to such an extent that you just like kind of lose it for a bit. And yet, other people can have trials like this, trials where you you can't even imagine in your wildest dreams even being subjected to such a trial, and yet they're subjected to this trial, and they're completely okay, mashallah. Now that is a lesson and a sign in and of itself that la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. That every there is no power or change or strength or any ability whatsoever except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have no ability to withstand anything. We cannot withstand anything except by Allah, if Allah allows us to. And, and, and here's the other lesson, is if Allah does allow us to, if Allah does give us the strength and does give us the support, we can withstand anything. We can withstand things that we never imagined we'd be able to withstand. And it's all based on whether or not we have the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether or not we've been given the the patience and the and the and the rida at a higher level, um at a higher level is the contentment, the rida. If that's given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we I mean you can you can smile. You can smile even while you're in that trial itself. And uh one of the most beautiful examples of this lesson is the example of Essia. And the example of Essia always moves me because Essia was a woman who was in, you know, one of the worst situations you can imagine being in. She was married to, um, I mean, this isn't just an abusive man. He's a murderer. He's a mass murderer. I mean, he's Fir'aun. He's one of, he's in fact, um, the most evil, worst person that ever walked the earth. And he's her husband. And he's, uh, he he actually tortures her physically and he takes her and he's put her in such a situation that you know many of us can't can't even fathom and yet we're told that in this situation she was given the ability because of the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala she was given the ability to smile and in, in that situation she was able to smile and it's because she asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show her her home in jannah and because he showed her her home in Jannah, she was able to smile even while she was being, you know, going through that trial in the middle of it. Uh, and, and it's like, you know, subhanAllah is such a lesson for us because we, you know, we're not going to look up into the sky and actually see physically our home in Jannah. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can show us our home in Jannah and, you know, our hearts can see that vision, that that glimpse of our home in Jannah, whereby whatever is given to us, whatever trial we are going through, can become light, just the same way that it did for Asya radiallahu anha. And, and that only comes by the help of Allah. If Allah gives us that help, then any trial can be made easy. And any trial can be something where even while we're walking through it, we can smile. And so what we need to do is... 
not fear the hunger or the thirst or the loss, but the thing we really need to be afraid of is that the hunger or the thirst or the loss would come when we don't have food, drink, or, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to hold us up. So the idea here is that, uh, you know, nobody would say that it's a problem. See, it's not, it's not a problem when you're at home and the fridge is full and you say, hmm, I'm hungry. Like, I'm hungry or I'm thirsty. It's not a problem. Why is it not a problem to be hungry or thirsty in that situation? Because the food is two steps away. You have the food there in the fridge and you have the water. So it's okay. The hunger and the thirst isn't the problem at this point. And similarly, it's not a problem if you feel, feel cold. As long as you can walk over to the thermostat and turn on the heat. As long as you have a blanket, it's fine. The problem is when you feel hungry and you're, or thirsty and you're in the middle of a desert and there's no food and there's no water. Or you feel cold and you're sleeping on the street and you have nothing to cover with. You have no home. Then that's when, that's when it's a problem. And so our, our concern and our fear should not be for the trial itself, but rather that the trial, because we know that the trials will come, but rather that the trial would come without the help of Allah to, to aid us, without the, the sabr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving us the sabr and at a higher level, the rida, the, the contentment to, to withstand that trial. Because if he does give that to us, if he does give us that sabr and that, and that contentment, it's just like that person who's sitting on the couch and feels hungry and gets up and gets some food from the fridge. You know, that their provision is provided for them. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that anytime he sends us the trial, anytime he sends us the test, he also sends the provision whereby we can, we can, that test and that, and that trial can become easy in the same way that it was for Asiya radiallahu anha. So, um, inshallah we'll take a short break. Uh, and when we return, um, I'll share more uh, reflections on the people that affect us in our path. Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmin Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity, streaming live on One Legacy Radio. Uh, we are reflecting today about the people that pass uh, through our lives and the lessons that we learn from them. And I shared a story about a sister that I met uh, last weekend uh, in my trip uh, to the East Coast. And one of the the other reflections that that I had about her story. Uh, one of the things she had also shared regarding her her daughters, uh, or rather her children, is that they had come to a point where they can't swallow their own saliva. So uh, she actually has to stay up with them at night and suction the saliva because if she doesn't, they will choke on their own saliva. 
And I mean, um, just thinking about that alone, the fact that how many times a minute we, we swallow our saliva and we never for a moment even think about it that, uh, I could have just choked, but, but instead I swallowed like this thought doesn't go through our mind. And, and yet this is something that is, is a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is completely unseen by us. And when she told me that, I just felt like, uh, that this was a lesson for me because I never even thought about it. I never thought about like to say Alhamdulillah that I just swallowed my saliva, you know? Um, it's something that we don't think about. And yet there are people in the world who will choke on their saliva because they can't swallow it. And I just, subhanAllah, the things that Allah, He showers on us of our, of blessings. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a latif, you know, sometimes He is subtle, you know, His blessings are subtle. We don't even see, we don't even see them. Uh, and, and subhanAllah, this is just one of them where I was, you know, and then we think about, you know, also like one of the hardest things, one of the hardest tests really, uh, for a woman and, and a man as well is to, is for something to happen to their child. Because the, the love that a, that a parent or a mother or a father has for the child is really unlike any other type of love. And, and you'll notice that even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a metaphor or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is high above any analogy but when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that his mercy he is more merciful to us the example he uses is the example of a mother to their child and he says that he is more merciful to his servant to his slave than a mother is to her child and there's a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses that example because we know that, the, that of all the types of mercy and compassion that li- that is in the world, that exists, that's the, the highest level. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying His is a higher than that and, and you know, infinitely higher than that. So this, so uh, among the, the human uh, connections and the human type of mercy and attachment and love, uh, and compassion, this is the highest. And so to be tested in that is really unlike any other test. It's, it's, um, you know, when you think about the tests of the prophets, peace be upon him, the test of Ibrahim alayhi salam, what was he tested in? He was tested in his child. And, and you think about, you know, other, other tests where the Ayyub alayhi salam, his children were also taken from him. And, and Yusuf alayhi salam's father, his child was taken from him. These are the tests that are given to the, the serious superheroes of humanity, you know, the prophets, peace be upon them all. So for, for someone to be tested in that way, that's a, that's a very, very high level of test, uh, because of the, the attachment that there is there. And subhanAllah, the other lady that I met, um, at that same talk, uh, she actually, and I, I know this can't be a coincidence, that the two people, uh, the two older, the, the rest of them were, were younger, and the, the two older ones that were there who had children, they both had, um, you know, the same type of test. The other woman actually had lost her child um, in a very tragic accident. And, and when she described the accident to me, I was just amazed, um, subhanAllah. And the thing that really, really amazed me, one of the things that amazed me is that these two women... I, I can imagine, you know, inshallah, may Allah build for them the highest level in Jannah. Um, but I, I can, I feel that these two women are, are of, um, 
such a high level, inshallah, in Jannah. And I just felt, honestly, I felt honored that I was even uh, in their company, you know, that even my path crossed their path because of the level that, inshallah, they're at because of what they went through. And um, what amazes one more and ex- is extremely humbling is the fact that they were telling me that, that I had something to benefit them with. And, and that, to me, is extremely humbling because... I look at these women and seriously, these are the real superheroes, you know, the people who have withstood, you know, these types of tests, which we hear about in history books, you know, and these people are standing right in front of you and subhanAllah, they're just, you know, they mix in with the rest of the people. They look like they're, you know, just the same. They smile, they talk, they laugh, they interact, but they have been and they are walking through um, you know, some of the most severe trials. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is their helper. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your helper, uh, you can withstand anything. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a'udhu billah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves us to ourselves, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never to leave us to ourselves, because when Allah leaves a servant to himself, you know, the dua of the Prophet sallallahu was, Do not leave me to myself even for the blink of an eye. And this is so profound because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He leaves a servant even for the blink of an eye, you know, that, that person is destroyed. You can't, you cannot survive if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to leave you to yourself. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to never leave us to ourselves. And inshallah, always uh, be our supporter and be our help. And in that way, we can withstand whatever trial does come our way, inshallah ta'ala. Now, um, one other reflection that I, that I wanted to share, because I did, f- I, it really moved me as well, and I felt that there was a deep lesson in it, uh, was a story, this was actually uh, probably about two weeks ago, and what had happened is a friend of mine, uh, she, her mother had been battling cancer for a while, and she, she had passed away. So after a long uh, struggle with cancer, she passed away. And again, you know, subhanAllah, when I saw this woman, so she had, uh, she had a gathering at her house and, and I was, um, asked to come give some reflections. And when I saw her, I was seriously like amazed that when I saw this woman, it was as if, uh, she was, she was the same woman that I had seen every other time I saw her. The same pleasant, contented, you know, she's, she just looked like at peace. Allah, you know, subhanAllah, bismillah, mashallah. And, and her mother had just passed away, subhanAllah. And this again is proof of the fact that it isn't the trial that makes things difficult in our lives. It isn't the, the type of trial or the, what it is that's actually happening. What, what makes things difficult in our life is if we are not close to Allah or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not given his help. And so we, we should never, again, you know, look at the trial itself. But we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the help by way, you know, so that whatever it is, it's made easy. And really, these were lessons in front of my eyes seeing these people, subhanAllah. And one of the statements that she said, it really struck me. She said that while she was, while her mother was ill, and she obviously was helping her, and uh, there was a lot of, her mother needed a lot of help. Uh, she, while she was helping her mother, uh, there were people who would tell her, like, you know, you're getting, look at, you're getting so much, uh, hasanat and ajr, you're getting, you know, so many good deeds for what you're doing. And just her reaction to that was such a lesson for me. She said that, uh, to her, she said, she said, I never even thought about it like that. 
She said, I, I, I never, I'm not, when she was helping her mother, she said, I, I never, I never thought about it that I'm, I'm getting all these good deeds for this. In my mind, what I'm doing is, is the least that I can do for her. In my mind, what I'm doing is, is out of love, out of, in fact, out of the fact that she deserves this from me and that everything she has done for me, this is the least I could do for her. And what it made me think about was our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how that we sometimes when we, when we do things, when we, when we worship Allah or we do, you know, good deeds, sometimes we're thinking like, Okay, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping track of the good deeds, you know, and like, uh, one time I heard in this talk, I thought it was really funny. Um, it's like, it's like we look up and we're like, Allah, are you, are, did, did you see that? You know, like, I just did this thing. Like, like, are you paying attention? You know, like, not, jot that down. You know, like, we're, we're keeping track of, of these things that we're doing. You know, almost like there's this tally and we're, we're very pleased. You know, we did this check. We did this and, you know, and we're kind of like, as if again we're doing Allah a favor or Allah, you know, Allah, are you paying attention? I did this and that and um <laughs> patting ourselves on the back and all that. But subhanAllah, like how uh how she viewed it so differently and she she said that like what she was doing was out of love. What she was doing for her mother was because that's what she deserved and that was the least she could do for her mother. And when we think about that's her mother, right? And, and obviously of all the people in the world who we owe, it's our mother. But let's think now at the level of Allah. If that's the mother and what the mother has given. Now imagine what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. And what's the level that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves. Uh, you know that, that, so when we, when we give to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, do we do it in the same way? Do we do it out of that same, you know, that, that idea of, well, this is the least I can do when Allah has given me, you know, just down to the ability to swallow my saliva so I don't choke, you know, and that's just, you know, that's, that's just one out of an infinite number of things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِن تَعُدُّ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا Which means that if you try to to count the the ni'am, the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you would never be able to count it. You would never be able to 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 count all of them and keep track. You know, so so are we, you know, what is our attitude towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And do we worship Him in the same way where we think, uh, you know, I'm doing it out of love and out of the fact that this is the least He deserves. Uh, you know, again, it, it's, it's a different mindset. And I think that, uh, subhanAllah, there's a lot to learn uh, from even the way in which uh, we show gratitude to people. Because at the end of the day, you know, we'll say thank you if someone gives you a piece of candy, right? And you'll feel, you might even feel really grateful, especially if it's a piece of gum and you really need gum. Um, you, you're going to be, so you're like, you're a lifesaver, you know? Um, yeah. And so but that's like a piece of gum. And we are so grateful. Like, thank you so much for giving me this piece of gum. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers showers us with all of these blessings and it's hard for us sometimes to even show gratitude or even to extract to even extract or feel gratitude uh for the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us so you know inshallah it's a reminder to myself and others that um you know the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always showering his blessings on us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us so much and yet we only repay it with sins and it's 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 amazing because the irony of the whole situation is that Allah is in no need of us and yet he gives us and we are in desperate need of him 
and yet we only sin in and in response you know to these gifts which we have from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so inshallah what i want to do um is actually maybe leave a couple minutes to get your i mean i know everyone subhanallah um has you know walks through the same path everybody is walking uh, along this path of life and we all come across people in our lives that have a profound effect on us uh, even if they come into our lives for a very short time and then leave and even the process of leaving uh, sometimes also has its own lessons so what I want to do um, inshallah is take a really short break and I want to hear from you guys in the chat box uh, what are some of your experiences what are some of the people in your lives who have really affected and, and had a, a deep effect on your life Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmin Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity, streaming live on One Legacy Radio. Uh, so right now, we are waiting to hear from you um, about your reflections. What are some of the people? Who are some of the people that have affected your life? Uh, even if they just, you know, came into your life for a short time and and then walked right through. Uh, and I think uh, in the chat box, at least, I'm waiting for it to ref- to refresh. Um, Someone remembered the lecture. I'm just going to, uh, the lecture that I was referring to, um, that I thought was pretty funny was when we, the, the, the reference was basically that when we, whenever we do even a small good deed, uh, we're, we're asked, we're making sure Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is paying attention. I think it was, uh, I don't remember what it was. Naman Ali Khan was talking. I think it was uh, like something like they had prayed Fajr or they did something and they kind of looked up to the sky and said, Allah, you know, like, are you paying attention? <laughs> I just did this. You know, keep keep track. Um, but subhanAllah, um, it's a, it, is a, it is a bigger attitude that we have uh, about that, you know, where we, <clears throat> we, we, we want, we, again, the idea here is that, uh, we were in this contractual relationship, transactional relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where we think it's like, you know, we're, we're paying for it and then we're getting something in return and it's an, and it's a fair trade. Uh, and it is not a fair trade. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of his generosity, Allah makes this, this, this trade with us where he says that he has, uh, purchased the souls, you know, of the, the believers. And then in, in exchange, he's giving them Jannah. But, but by no means is it a fair trade. It's because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and generosity that he's willing to do that or that he does that with us. Uh, so, um, so some of the people, I'm, I'm still waiting on your comments and waiting on your reflections. Uh, so let's see. <clears throat> so some of the people are saying it's, it's, uh, yeah, okay, other than me, <laughs> uh, so you, uh, let's see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me you, Yasmin. Honestly, when I met you last year at Ikna, your lecture with the sisters was the most impactful. Um, Jazakallah khair. Uh, some people say, let's see. So a lot of people are basically saying, so different, different speakers, different, uh, public figures, uh, who have had, alhamdulillah, may Allah bless, bless the, you know, the shuyukh that we have and the people who, uh, have come into our lives. I mean, and, and these people, you know, one thing I really want us to do 
is to make dua for these people uh, because these shiuch and these speakers and these uh, public figures, they really have to sacrifice a lot to do what they do. And it looks really sometimes, I guess, glamorous, but there's a lot, there's a, there's a big price to, to pay, you know, for, for what they do. And so we, we have, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless them and to bless their families and to protect them and to protect their families. It's a, it's a really difficult struggle. And we don't always see, uh, what it takes, you know, to, to, to sacrifice and the sacrifices that it does take, uh, for these people to, to give us what they give us. So may Allah, may Allah preserve them and, and, uh, reward them, inshallah. Uh, so one person says that like eight years ago, I met this brother who changed my life and made me want to be a better person and why I wanted to be like this better. I feel like there's a blessing to me. So, you know, th- this, what this person is sharing is that, you know, really something that we should keep in mind is that the effect that we can have, you know, we talk about, uh, dawa and we talk about, um, calling people to the good and forbidding the evil. And a lot of times, uh, we, we don't realize the that the biggest effect we can have on people is just in making a connection with someone, getting close to someone. And then once you have that connection with that person, the effect that you can have on them is so much deeper than someone who just comes up to you in the masjid and tells you not to wear nail polish, right? Um, so the idea here is that sometimes the way in which we give nasiha, the way in which we give the good advice is completely wrong. We do it, uh, usually, a lot of times we do it, first of all, in public. It's, it's sort of a, hum- in a humiliating way, um, which is completely wrong. That's not the, that's not the way in which you give nasiha. And second, we sometimes just give it to random strangers and, and, and I mean, there may be circumstances where that is effective, but m- most of the time, it's just taken in a defensive way because you have no relationship with that person. Sometimes it's a complete stranger who comes up to you at the masjid or at an Islamic event and, and tells you something. Uh, and it, you just kind of feel like really defensive or, or insulted maybe by it. Whereas if it comes from someone who, you know, you say you really feel that this person cares about you and you have a strong uh, connection and a bond with this person, say it's someone in your family or a friend, it's very different uh, because sometimes the sense that we get, I think, is that, oh, this person uh, thinks they're better than me, right? This is Sometimes this is the idea we have. And I think it's really important to totally uh, redefine the way we give nasiha, the way we even think about giving advice. And I, uh, the way that I think we need to think about it is just like you see somebody and say this person is blindfolded. Okay, they they don't see where they're going, but you are not blindfolded and you see this person running towards the edge of a cliff. So what's going to happen if you see someone running towards the edge of a cliff and they have a blindfold on, they don't know that they're about to fall. What are you going to do? And in this scenario, if you have any care for this person, you're going to do whatever you can to stop them. But in what sense are you going to stop them? Are you going to stop them because you're better than them and you don't have a blindfold and they do? Like, that's not really the sense you're going to have, right? You're not going to be like, dude, like, I'm better than you because I can see that you're falling off a cliff and you don't see it. So, so like, just stop, okay? Like, that's not the, that's not the way you're going to be giving that nasiha. Instead, you're going to be like, dude, I love you and I really care about you and you're about to fall off a cliff and I don't want that to happen. So you're going to be, 
you know, it's going to be out of a place of concern and not out of a place of arrogance and self-righteousness. So, um, some of your other comments, um, let's see. So one person says, my eldest son fractured his shaft bone when he was eight and was on full cast for about three months. He was amazingly patient, subhanAllah, and I learned about patience from him, subhanAllah. Never once during those three months did he complain about his discomfort in the cast, subhanAllah. May Allah protect and bless him always. SubhanAllah, that is amazing. Uh, you know that, that this that this child, eight an eight year old who was in that situation and yet didn't complain. And this is, again, a sign from Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him patient. Whereas, you know, a lot of eight-year-olds, they can't be patient like if they didn't get like a certain video game, you know? So this, and yet this this child was able, subhanAllah, by the grace of Allah to be patient that he was stuck in a, in a, in a cast. So subhanAllah, again, you know, it just, it, the help comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us and our families and to and to always provide his his risk his provision and know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's provision uh comes in the form in different forms so sometimes the provision comes in the form of food sometimes money and sometimes it comes in the form of sabr in terms of in in the form of patience and sometimes if we're very very blessed in the in the form of rida which is the highest level and that's contentment where we actually feel content at the decision of Allah no matter what it is um and not only patient but also content um and <clears throat> Another person shared that um, there's a brother in our community who has changed the way our whole community thinks here in South Jersey. He taught us to actually love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not just always to fear him and to keep a distance from him. We forgot that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-Rahman as well. Thank you for sharing that. That is, you know, this is actually, I think, one of the biggest mistakes that we make in how we teach our children growing up and, and, and just in general how we teach about Islam is in this way, which is so much about haram, haram, hellfire, hellfire. And, and when we tell, even when we're talking to children, it's, it's amazing. You know, when you see how children are taught in Sunday school, it's usually, it's usually to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. And I feel like this, this way and this focus is very dangerous because first of all, these children don't understand the full concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yet, the first thing they should know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not hellfire. It is not his anger. It is what is greater than his wrath. As he himself said, it is his mercy. And Allah himself has said that my mercy supersedes my wrath. My mercy is, is greater than his wrath. So why are we teaching his wrath and not teaching his mercy? I don't understand. It's, it's where we've completely, you know, we've, we've changed the, the order that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself gives that his, his mercy is greater than his, and he says, rahmati wasi'at kulli shay, that my mercy has encompassed every single thing. And this is what we need to do to attach the people, you know, children and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through love. Because here's the amazing thing is when you grow up feeling like, uh, everything you do, like if you make a mistake, you're going to go to hell, right? If you make a mistake, it, I think that the problem with this, this is, what what are you going to feel about if if every day I come to you and I say, you know, I mean, why is it that people start to hate police officers? You know, it's like even though police officers, you know, they're supposed to like be doing a good thing, but but 
the reason people hate police officers or some people are scared of police officers is because they they might see oh like if if this person got punished by that police officer and this person and so they start you sort of want to just stay away from police right you see a police officer i mean i know i do i'm driving and i see a cop and it's like i know he's gonna find something i'm doing i'm gonna do something and so you're kind of really uncomfortable you're not gonna go and be like hey what's up and you want to sit and talk to the police officer you just want to avoid the police because everything you hear about the police is him punishing people him you know finding people him jailing people you want to stay away so this concept we we put in our children about god that you know if you do this one thing wrong you slip this or that he's going to put you in hell and and so then children grow up and they're just sometimes they just don't want to have anything to do with religion because they are the concept they have of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so skewed and there isn't it isn't out of love that they are taught to, to worship him but rather out of you know just stay away from this whole idea because if I mess up, I'm going to hell. So subhanAllah, you know, even the concept of fear, and I wanted to share this example because I think it's such a perfect example, uh, you know, that that the example of how we should be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like a bird, right? And the bird has two wings and then it has a head. So the head of the bird uh, is love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the example, it's either Ibn Taymiyyah or Ibn Al-Qayyim who, who give us this example, rahmatullah alayhum, that the, the love should be the head of the bird and that's what drives the bird. That what should be driving our actions, what should be driving our life is this love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that the two wings which need to balance the bird, on one hand is the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fear of his punishment, the fear of his wrath. And on the other hand, the other wing of the bird is hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you look at this analogy, it really is, it's so perfect because what happens if one of the wings of a bird is too weak? Then the bird can't fly properly. And then that bird becomes susceptible to being shot down. It's not stable. So if we have too much hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not enough fear, then this is a situation where we think we can do whatever we want. And, you know, we're not actually, um, striving because we have to, we have our hope is overpowering the fear. Similarly, if we have too much fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not enough hope, this is also a situation where you end up unstable because you think that, you know, you're so afraid uh, and you think sometimes even people will say, will lose lose hope because they're so afraid. They think that, oh, I've committed too many sins, so there's no there's no hope in me even trying. And so that bird also can't fly properly. So you have to have the two, uh, you know, the, the hope and the fear need to be balanced uh, we're told by the Prophet ﷺ that there are some people who they might spend their whole lives doing the action, uh, the actions of the people of paradise, and and as soon as they're so close to paradise, just an arm's length away from paradise, they do something from the action of the people of hellfire, and so they enter it. And on the other hand, there could be someone who spends their whole life doing the actions of the people of hellfire until there's an arm's length away between them and hellfire. And then they do the action of the people of paradise, and so they enter it. So the the idea is here: we should never uh, we should never lose hope because we can always uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's door is always open so long as we're still alive and we're still breathing. And and at the same time, we should also never get so comfortable because at the last moment, you know, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is the one who has the hearts in His hand, and and we know we don't know what will happen at the last moment. We should never be, you know, think that we're okay because even the greatest people, 
Uh, Omar has a famous statement that if everybody except one person were told everybody except one person was going to enter hellfire, he was going, if, if, if only one person was going to be saved from hellfire, he would hope that it was him. And similarly, if only one person was going to be um, was going to enter Jannah, or rather was going to enter Jahannam, he would fear that it was him. So he had both the fear and the hope. And, and Abu Bakr would say, عن, that even if he had one foot in Jannah, he would still worry that, that he wouldn't enter it. So there was, you know, still that, that concept of, of love, of hope and fear, even in these greatest examples. Uh, inshallah, I'm going to um, take one more. Uh, <clears throat> it's so common for parents who themselves are ignorant about their own faith to resort to scaremongering uh, like that because they can't be bothered to rash- rationally, logically, and lovingly explain the beauty of God's religion to their child. Uh, and, and it is, I think that sometimes it isn't like parents are doing it on purpose, but sometimes parents are teaching what they were taught. And what we have to do is we have to stop the cycle. We have to uh, come back to, I think, the correct, you know, the the correct balance uh, of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which needs to be driven by love and balanced with hope and fear. And inshallah, you know, convey that to our children. Uh, because if you think in the, in the example we gave about the police, now think about telling your child every single day. Um, imagine telling your child every day, okay, here's a gift and this gift is from your grandmother. And then the next day, here's a new gift and this gift is from your grandmother. And then another day. And every single day of this child's life, he gets a new gift and you tell that child that this gift is from your grandmother. What's going to happen inside the heart of that child for his grandmother? What's going to happen is he's going to love that grandmother even if he never saw that grandmother but you tell them every single day that this gift is from your grandmother then that child is going to love his grandmother even without seeing her even without meeting her uh, that attachment's going to be built and if we tell our children we teach our children that everything you have is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you these things is because he loves you and and should you not love then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know you can teach your children in this way to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when that love is there i think and i hope and we pray that no matter what path this child takes as they grow up that they'll always have that somewhere underneath and inshallah at some point we'll come back to it even if they stray this way or that way aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullahi wa lakum innahu ghafurur rahim subhanakallahu wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh